But today, well, we got to our final part of our After Eden series. And through this series, we've been discussing um, basically what happened at the Garden of Eden when there was a guy called Adam and a girl called Eve, and relationships were perfect, and then suddenly disaster happened, and relationships just started tearing apart. And we started to see a world where there was lots of corruption, there was lots of different things going on, and we started seeing that man and women we're, we're, we're just starting to have fights and have problems. We started to see how friendships were torn apart. Um, and uh, we started uh, to, to, to see that people were not acting in the roles that God had given for those people. And so we've got to this last part today. And what I want to talk to you today about, I am by no means an expert at all. Um, in fact, uh, I have like hardly any knowledge of this subject, uh, period. And the reason why well, I say that is because today we're going to be talking about parenting. Now, for those of you who aren't parents here this morning, uh, that what we're going to talk about applies to you totally. And so it's not something you just, just switch off and think, well, it doesn't apply to me because maybe one day you'll be a parent. But anyway, the principles that we're going to talk about apply to you as well. But the reason I'm not an expert is because I'm not a parent as well. So before you, anyone gets like angry with me or annoyed with me, I am not going to tell you how to raise your children today. I'm not going to talk uh, about methods. I'm not going to talk whether you should uh, put them in public school, private school, home school. Um, I'm not going to tell, uh, tell you whether they should go to bed at like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, or let them stay up all night and watch whatever they want on cable. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you those things. What, I'm gonna, what, what I want to do today, is I want to share with you the principle behind marriage, I mean, uh, behind parenting. Not how to parent, but the principle behind parenting. You know, I think that parenting is probably the hardest job in the world today. I mean, you, you can have like real tough jobs and hard jobs, but parenting is a hard job. But when you come down and, and you break parenting down, parenting in, in, its, in itself, really isn't a difficult task. I mean, you look at like animals and we got this bird's nest uh, um, on our deck and it's like really annoying um, and the birds are just like flying in and out and I don't want to get rid of it. But one thing about birds, as you see, is that the birds, the mother bird will feed their young and feed them, feed them, feed them, and then they'll teach them how to get on with life and then they kind of just let them do it and get on with life. And when we look at the original way of like parenting, it's very, very similar. We're not maybe as ruthless as birds and like throw our kids out the nest and say, see you later. But it is pretty similar. And parents or children often, it always used to be the case, children became who their parents were. And yeah, there were some black sheep in the family who kind of wanted to do their own, own thing. But everybody, all through centuries, knew their place in society. And people rarely stepped outside that place. And so there was really no pressure to become who you were not. Because that is who you were. However, we look around today and we see so many books on parenting. We see so many TV shows, like Dr. Phil, on parenting. We see, if you go through like a news feed on your Facebook, you'll see all the parents on there asking other parents for help how to deal with their child. Whether their child is like a newborn or their child is 18 years old, they're like, help, how do I deal with my child? 
And the reason for that is because even though the task of parenting really isn't that difficult, we live in a culture today where there are no boundaries. And so parenting has become such a difficult task because of the culture that we live in today. Today, bad parents are exposed quite easily. We're told that rebellious children are just like free spirits. And we also see that there are so many outside influences that infiltrate the home and the family that parents don't understand. And so often the parents don't know how to cope with their child. So when the child is bouncing off the walls, they're thinking, what can we do? So they take them to a doctor. And sometimes take them to a doctor is exactly what they need because they need to be calmed down. But so often, parents don't know what to do. And then so often, children grow up and they rebel against their parents. Parents have no idea what has happened. And so often, and this isn't every case, but so often, it's because they have not parented those children in the way that God wanted them to parent. Now, I'm not saying that parents have done a bad job because most parents do a great job. But there is a difference between doing a good job at parenting And also doing the job that God intended for you to do. So this is what I want to discuss with you today. I want to discuss the principle behind parenting. A principle that I believe was there when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And before they ate of that fruit and all chaos started to happen, this principle was there. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1, and verse 27 to 28. And there's a lot of different scriptures we're going to go by, uh, back and forth today. And I'll be as quick as I can. And it will be on the screen. But in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 it said, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God he created them male and female. So the Bible is declaring that God made human beings. It says there in, in, then, in verse 28, it said, Then God blessed these human beings. And he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. So we see here the very first command that God ever gave to a human being was this. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and reproduce. You know, in order to be fruitful, there is something that you need before you can be fruitful. And that is what we call a seed. A seed. Fruit isn't produced out of nothing. So when you go to the grocery store and you see fruit, and you see your apples and oranges and you, 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 uh, you, you see uh, your bananas and things like that, it's not just produced out of nothing. It started one time as a little seed. And then God said to them, he says, okay, so be fruitful. So firstly, they need a seed. Then multiply. So when you have fruit, you are fruitful. But when you have lots of fruit, you have something that we call a harvest. So now we have something, we have a seed, we have fruit, and now we have a harvest as well. Now, if we were farmers today, and I don't know, I don't think we've got any farmers here this morning. If we were farmers, we would start to understand 
where God is coming from when he says this, be fruitful and multiply. We would start to understand that, okay, we need to plant a seed. We need to create a great environment for that seed. We need to water that seed. And then one day we're going to get a harvest and we're going to get fruit from that harvest. And we all know this morning, well, I hope we all know, for those of you who went to school and did science. But I hope you know that humans are formed from a seed. Man comes together and his seed and the, and the woman's egg come together. And uh, man plants his seed in woman. And then nine months later, boom, you've got a baby. I mean, that's as much as I'm going to go into it today. And for those of you who don't know, ask your parents. I always ask my parents that. And my parents are like, well, you know more than I do about it. So I'm like. So nine months later, you've got, you see the fruit of that seed that was implanted. And what happened is from the the moment the seed was planted and between the time the baby was born or you see the fruit of that seed, something happened. The woman started to take care of her body. The woman went to the doctor. The woman probably didn't eat certain foods or drink certain drinks. She took care of herself. But the woman knew that she could not herself make the baby grow. She knew that she had no control about how the baby would turn out. She didn't know if the baby would be male or female. She knew that she wouldn't be able to create the arms and the legs and the hands. So this is what she did. She created an environment within her body to make a healthy baby. But then she relied on God. She relied on God then to create the baby, to mold the baby, to form the baby. The mother leaves it to God. And then nine months later, you see what God created. And then what happens so often is that then the baby is born and suddenly you see the fruit of your like labor. And some of you had a long labor. But you see the fruit of your labor. And now you don't see that baby as a seed. You don't see it as just something growing on the inside of you. You see that baby as a person. Somebody to be loved and cherished. But the problem is, for so many of us, is we now see that baby. And while God has been forming that baby for nine months, now we start to to take control of that baby. And this is so often when problems arise. You know, parents, I think, have a dilemma. And the dilemma is this. It's for nine months that baby has been safe and secure in the mother's womb. And they've let God grow that baby. But as soon as the baby comes out into this world, and we know that this world has so many dangers, so many different things, we allow, we, we, we then kind of take God out of the situation, and then we try to take control of that baby. Because we think we have better control of that baby than God. And let me tell you something, I'm not just talking to parents because I heard Billy Graham once said that it doesn't take uh, two parents to, to, to raise up a child. 
He said it takes a whole church to raise up a child. So even if you're not a parent this morning here, your, your role is still to help bring up those children. So we're, all those children we have back there in theater three, it is our role, whether we're parents or not, to help bring up those children. Now, for some of us, we may think, well, it's, they're my children. Of course I'm going to take control of my children. And yes, of course you are. But I want to read a few scriptures to you. And so you can see the principle behind parenting. So in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, it says this. For though Jesus, through God, created everything in heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Isn't that everything was created through him and for him? And then in Psalm chapter 27 and verse 3, it says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children are a gift from God, they are a reward from Him. And then in uh, Psalm 128, verses 1 to 4, it says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow His ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like uh, like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing within the home. Your children will be like uh, vigorous young olive trees as they sit around the table. We see here the psalmist is kind of referring to our children as almost like a plant or a fruit that is formed. But here in these scriptures that we've read, we've seen that children were created by God for God. They were created by God and for God. And for you today, every one of you is somebody's child. You were created by God for God. God has purposes for you, and he has purposes for your children. And this world will probably tell you different. And, 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 and this world will probably say, well, that child was there, so you can have a nice little happy family. And happy families are great. But that seed that was implanted in the woman was there to produce a fruit, which was a baby. And then that baby was there, then... To produce what we call a harvest. So that baby was a seed. And the ultimate goal of that seed is to produce a harvest. God's purpose for humanity is no different. And God's purpose for your children is no different. I believe that God desires your children to produce a harvest. To produce a harvest. I believe that God doesn't want your children just to be, that's it. That's the fruit of your labor. I believe that God wants you to produce a harvest. And you know, we had Lynn just out here a moment ago. And Lynn has like multiple children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And you see that there's a lot of Lynn's family. They just love God and they are following God. And you see the harvest that they are producing for God. And so this morning what I want to do, I want to very quickly, and our time is like running out a a, a lot this morning. But I want to show you. Just two ways in which you can, as a parent or as an individual, produce 
a harvest or have your children produce a harvest. And the first one is, is found in Titus chapter 2 and verse 4. Titus chapter 2 and verse 4. It says this. It says, the older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. The older women must train the younger women how to love their husbands and their children. Kind of a strange thing because, I mean, when you think about it, you're like, well, what woman wouldn't love her children? Now, she may need some difficulty loving her husband because us husbands are pretty hard to get on with at times. But what woman wouldn't love her husband? But the problem is, is I think so often we think that love is a natural instinct. I think we think that love is something that we should always be able to, to, to produce. But the problem is, is love is not a natural instinct. Yes, a mother will feel a bond with her children and a mother will love her children. But real love is not a natural instinct. Couples come together, married couples, and they have to grow in their love with each other. And if they don't grow in their love, then that love's going to be, be stale because love is not a natural instinct. Let me show you. I was at a wedding last night and, uh, and one of the readings that they had was uh, a reading that every single wedding I like, I've done has, has read this verse. But it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And from verses 4 to 7. And this is what it says. It says, love, and it's defining love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not, uh, it is not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now, if that's the definition of love, I'm thinking, wow, that is not a natural instinct. I am not a naturally patient person. I am not a naturally, well, I'm kind, I think. I think I can be kind. But I'm not, I'm not, a, na, I'm not naturally a forgiving person. I have to work at forgiving people. I have to work at being patient with people. And so, when you think about loving your children, I, you've got to think about, Am I being patient towards them? Am I being kind towards them? Am I being forgiving towards them? Am I keeping no record of wrong with those children? And that's the hard thing to do. And it's the same with married couples. Are we doing that with each other? It's all very well having this bond and feeling this relationship with this person. But unless we are growing in our love, then that's not real love. And just as a farmer learns to look after their crops in order to get the best harvest, so we must look after our children and love our children for them to produce the best harvest. And if there is one thing in this world that is lacking, it is real love. It's real love. We see a lot of love around. We see movies and songs, but that love breaks down quickly. But real love, I believe we are lacking it. And if we as, our, as parents are not growing in our love for others, and not growing in our love for God, if we're not being patient and kind, then why should we think 
that our children are watching people who love them dearly. I think also, I've always wondered, why is it okay for married couples to go through issues and go and see a counselor because they're struggling with their love towards each other? But if a, if a mother ever says about her children, I'm just finding it hard to love my children, we're like, we think that she is the worst mother in the world. But the truth is, love is not a natural instinct. And we have to work and love in those people and those, uh, those children. And for those of you parents, you know there are times when your kids are just not lovable. I mean, they are just not lovable. But you have to work at loving those children. And there is only one way for you to grow in your love, I believe. And that is to draw closer to your Creator. The one who is the father of love, Jesus Christ. That is the only way that you will find what real love is. And if your relationship with God suffers, then there is no doubt about it. That it's going to affect your relationship with your kids. There is no doubt about it. This is what Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9 says. says, find it. Philippians 1 verse 9 says, I pray that you, that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in, in, in knowledge and understanding. That you'll grow in your knowledge of understanding. How do you love people more? You gain knowledge of understanding what real love is and I believe real love is through our Heavenly Father. So the way that we produce a great harvest for our kids, or our kids can produce this harvest, is by showing them what real love is. The second thing, and the final thing this morning, is for our kids to produce a great harvest, we need to direct and not make. Direct and not make. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says this. It says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct your children onto the right path. It doesn't say, make your children go on the right path. But direct your children on the right path. And then when they are older, they will not leave from it. You know, a farmer cannot force a seed to grow. The Apostle Paul, one time he says, he says, I planted, my friend Apollos watered, but it was God who caused the growth. And it is only God in your children's lives who will be able to cause your children to grow in their relationship with God. You will not be able to do that yourself, but you will be able to direct them on the path so that they will be able to have that relationship with God. The farmer creates the best conditions to produce the best Harvest, And I ask you today, are you producing the best conditions for your children to produce the best harvest? I think the only problem with this is so often we think of a harvest for our kids and we think, well, it's, it's education. Our kids have to get the best education or we have to get them in sports or we have to make sure that they dress right and they don't have like bad piercings and, 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 and like tattoos all over them. Um, uh, or we think that they must have the right friends. Or we think producing the best harvest or the best for our kids is keeping them from danger. Or just making sure at all costs that they go to college. But the problem is, that isn't what God 
desires out of your children. That isn't the harvest that God desires out of your children. And they are all great things. But this is the harvest that God desires from your children. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. It says, but watch out, be careful, never to forget what you yourself have seen. This is God talking to Moses. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as, uh, as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. So the things that you learn, you pass on to your children and grandchildren. Then it says this in verse 10. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai, where you told me, summon the people before me. And I will personally instruct the people. Uh, so I will personally instruct them. Then this is the key. It says, then they will learn to fear me as long as they live. And they will teach their children to fear me also. I believe the harvest that God wants for your children and for you is that you will fear God. Love God. Have a relationship with God. Build on that relationship. Grow in your love for God. I think there is nothing that pleases God more than, than, than to see you lead your children in the ways of God. God doesn't care if your children go to college. This world cares if your children go to college. But God cares if your children are on the right path. God has given you a gift. And that gift is your child. And that gift is to be directed to produce a harvest. In Ephesians 6 verse 4, it says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children, but instead lead them in the ways of the Lord. Lead them in the understanding and knowledge of God. And you know, it always surprises me when parents don't take their children to church. When sports or or dance lessons or a party become more important than bringing them to church. You know, we live in a, a world where we're told that our children must be formed like this and like that. However, all that will happen is if we direct them in ways that aren't of God, when they are old, they will not leave from those, that, that place. When they are older, still not be following God. But if we direct them in the right paths, the Bible tells us that when they are older, they will not leave from those paths. And let me just tell you, for, for those of you who have got children, and those children are older and they not, may not be serving God. And you've directed them in those paths. The promise of God says this. It says if you direct the, the, your children on the right path. When they are older. When they are older. They will not leave from that path. And you may have children in your teens or in your twenties. And they may be far from God. They're not older yet. And they may be so far from God. But if you direct them in the right path, I believe the promise of God is that God will bring them back onto that right path. I think when we remove our children from church, this is effectively what we're saying. Church isn't important. When we say church isn't important, we're basically saying, well, the body of Christ isn't important. When we're saying the body of Christ isn't important, we're basically saying that Jesus Christ isn't important. And if we're saying that to our children, then there's going to be a day when they realize, well, I'm not going to walk on that path. I'm going to walk on a different path. 
I think when we direct our children in the ways of God, God honors those children. Let me just give you a quick illustration, and then we'll close. Growing up, my parents had three children. There was my older sister, myself, the middle child, and then I got uh, a younger brother who's like seven years younger than me. My father's sister has also got three children. They got two, two uh, older, um, uh, older sons, and then they got a younger daughter. Both families love God. Both families grew up in church, and they love God. Both parents, they have a, just this desire for the things of God. But then something happened, and my uncle, he got this job. And this job was a high-position job. He was a managing director of a big oil company uh, or big coal company in the U.K., and so they had to move around different places. And he got this big, like, huge job in a place called Clandilo, Wales. Trust me, you never want to go there. Um, and when they were moving there, the number one priority was this. School districts. We've got to make sure our kids are in the best school district. And so they didn't search for anything else but school districts. Because they thought that if they give their kids the best education, then the kids will be fine. And so they found the best schools in the area, and they moved there and sent them to that school. My parents weren't that lucky. My parents were pastors, and they were poor, and we didn't have you know, the choice of being able to go to whatever school district we wanted to. My parents uh, found a house, and... And we didn't really know the school districts. But all my parents knew was this. This is where God wants us. And God's going to take care of our children no matter what. My uncle and my auntie, they, had a, 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 they made a, a decision between them. That my auntie is going to look after my, my, uh, my, my one cousin, my female cousin. And then my uncle is going to look after my uh, two male cousins concerning the things of God. But the problem was, is my uncle just wasn't there much because he was working so much. And then when they arrived in Clandilo, they suddenly started looking for a church. And they realized there were like no churches around at all. I mean, the only churches that were there were ones with like, like 90-year-old like old ladies who had been there for like 100 years. And there was no kids' ministries, no nothing. No youth ministries. And so... When they got there, they discovered there was no church. They would have to drive 40 minutes to go to the, to the nearest church that, their, that they knew that their kids could really enjoy. And so what happened is that bit by bit, they stopped going to church. And so eventually they went maybe twice a month, maybe once a month. And for a whole period of like two years, they stopped going to church altogether. Whereas us, we were in church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I mean, it was crazy. The result was this. And I just boast on my parents because I just think that they raised us so well concerning this. My parents put God first. My auntie and uncle put education first. My sister has a master's degree. I'm like the lonely one. I just have like a bachelor's and then did some seminary work. My brother is like on his second degree and going on to his master's degree. My parents never put education first. They put God first. But yet, education followed. My auntie and my uncle, 
Their two sons are not following God. They were as far away from God as you could, you could imagine. And both of them finished high school and then dropped out altogether. My niece, who is following God, and she is in the ministry, she dropped out of college after one year. They have no education. But yet, education was such a priority to them. This is what I believe. I believe that when you direct your kids on the right path, God takes care of those children. And what happens is those children start to produce a harvest. When you direct them on other paths, who knows what will happen to those children. You know, there's so much more that we could say about parenting. The Bible's full of wisdom about parenting, solutions and guidance for the parents. But the problem is, so often, we want the wisdom without the sacrifice. And the sacrifice is this, is that those children are God's children. They are a gift from God to you, but they are ultimately God's children. And the sacrifice is this, is that you have to leave those children in God's hand and let God take care of those children. And you do your best and you create an environment that those kids can thrive in, but ultimately you need to leave those children in God's hands because they are God's children. You know, Adam and Eve produced an offspring. They produced the harvest. They had lots and lots of kids. They enjoyed themselves. But we find that there was one who produced a good harvest, and there was one who produced a bad harvest. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's gift. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. And for a parent, I believe, There's a huge challenge on you as parents. Yes, they're a gift from God, but there is a huge challenge for you. And I believe one day you'll stand before God, and and maybe God might say, did your children produce a good harvest or a bad harvest? For you, you'll stand before God, and God will say, did you produce a good harvest or a bad harvest? And so today, the bottom line is this. Those children are God's children. God has given them as a gift to you. Let God take control of their lives. Direct them on the right path. Show them what real love is. And they will produce a harvest that heaven will celebrate about. It may not be a harvest that that you're like here on earth. But it will be a harvest that heaven will celebrate. Let's pray.